Welcome to Not Just a Sports Report. UFC 291 thoughts and comments. This is not just a sports report and if you're a first-time listener uh, as far as what thoughts and comments is all about uh, well in relation to UFC we're at UFC 291. I'm not actually there as I'm sure you can hear uh, but to give you an idea of exactly where things are at the main card is about 15 minutes away from starting. So I'm in the midst of the card. It's right in the middle. We've seen some fights, uh, but the main fights, I'm yet to see. So that's what the podcast essentially is about. I'll go through my thoughts for the preliminary card as well. I must say as well, let me just quickly count. One, two, three, four, five, six. Five? Six fights so far? Six fights so far. Five of the six fights on yesterday's predictions podcast that I released exactly correct method of victory everything Uh, so i'm going to go through the prelims quickly let me just check Uh, about 12 minutes till the start of the main card so i'll get my thoughts on the prelims out there and then we're going to go fight by fight for the ufc 291 main card headlined by a bmf title fight dustin poirier justin gaethje a two versus three in the lightweight division more importantly And I think it's very clear, winner of this fights for the title next. You've got Oliveira Islam uh, in October, Abu Dhabi. Uh, But winner of this main event tonight, they can just wait, watch how things play out there. And they're looking at a title fight next. We've also got the co-main event. I believe same circumstances. Winner fights for the belt next. Former champion Jan Blahovic, former middleweight champion, turned light heavyweight, uh, which clearly seems to be his natural weight class, Alex Pereira, Poetan, uh, but we've seen Jan Blahovic in the past. He's welcomed many 185ers up to the division, and he's handed plenty of them defeats. Israel Etesanya, one of them. And when you consider Pereira, Blahovic, the only two guys to beat Izzy, winner of this fights most likely Yuri Prohaska for the belt. We've got Tony Ferguson, Derek Lewis. Uh, What's going to happen there? Kevin Holland, Michael Chiesa. Main card, I will be getting into fight by fight. Uh, But what we're going to do here is give some quick takes on the preliminary card. Now, I woke up at 8.30, but I was really tired. I think I went to bed at like 2 a.m. My bad. Uh, But, yeah, women's flyweight. I, I slept what I was trying to say for the first two fights. I got up on time, but because they, they lost a fight, uh, the card got pushed back like half an hour. And then I fell asleep. And then I woke up and I was like, fuck. There was just this feeling that had washed over me. Like, ah, oh, fuck, I've missed, I've missed the pay-per-view. But I hadn't. I just missed the early prelims. Uh, so first, we had women's flyweight action. Miranda Maverick, Priscilla Cachoeira. Uh, and yeah, I'll... Because the picks are going well today from the predictions podcast, I'll give them a short mention. 
sometimes it's just like whatever if the picks are like you know even if it's just i'm getting them head to head but not so much the methods but the picks have been on today i'm hoping to carry that into the main card so i had miranda maverick to win by submission that is what she did in round three uh, priscilla cachoeira going into this one 50 percent of her losses had come by way of submission uh, and miranda maverick training at team elevation uh, so that was kind of the cause for why i went with maverick just looking at the numbers cachoeira only had 11 significant strikes uh, so i assume miranda maverick just had ground control round three submission so yeah to go 10 minutes only 11 significant strikes for cachoeira Good win there for Miranda Maverick. Unfortunately, I didn't see it. Uh, what I did see was a highlight of the next fight, the only fight I've gotten wrong tonight. I had Matt Semmelsberger over Euros Medic by knockout. Medic taking this one on short notice. I usually fights down a division at lightweight. Went on a <laughs> like spinning elbow uh, from what I remember of the highlight. Knocks Matthew Semmelsberger out. Uh, there was a bit of talk like maybe... It was an early stoppage, but somewhere in there, he definitely knocked Semmelsberger out. Uh, so that was the only one I've got wrong so far. But for Euros Medic, that's a massive win. Will be interesting to see. Uh, does he go a welterweight bout again next time out? And he takes his record to a pretty impressive 9-1. and one. Uh, So entered that one, the underdog. Uh, now that one loss was to Jalen, the Tarantula Turner. I remember it well. It was around the time I first started doing the predictions podcasts, and I went with Medic in that one. So there you go. It seems like Euros Medic fights. I'm not the best at picking. Uh, then preliminary card. I had a funny story, but just too long to tell on today's podcast uh, in relation to the Darius Flowers Jake Matthews fight uh, involving Darius Flowers. A quick, quick chat in the DMs. Uh, but yeah, if you listen to the po previous podcast, you'd know. Uh, but for that reason, being Australian and this story with Darius Flowers, uh, I was really struggling to pick my prediction for that fight. Uh, but I went with Jake Matthews by submission. That's how he got it done. Uh, but this one was really noteworthy. Uh, what happened was Jake Matthews in the first round, he was having a lot of success. Darius Flowers at times was swinging wildly uh, and flowers does have the power to have been able to knock matthews down something that happened to matthews as well got knocked down uh, quite a few times in his last fight uh, but matthews he was steady he stuck to the game plan a lot of tape kicks to the body uh, and they were very accurate and precise for the most part you could see visibly darius flowers struggling with it of course, it's only Flowers' USC debut, and he took this fight on short notice, uh, whereas Jake Matthews been in the promotion for nine years, still yet to hit his prime. And yeah, so and they go in the second round, right? If you haven't seen this fight, uh, this was an interesting moment. And early on, very early in the second round, Jake Matthews lands another tape kick, and live, I just thought it was a TKO. Uh, because Darius Flowers drops to the mat and it was like, oh, he just hit him in the body like that. that he's been doing that and Flowers has been struggling with that. Uh, but the referee, it, it was ruled as like a nut shot. 
and it did seem like some of it connected, like the heel of Jake Matthews, but the first point of contact and the most force, I was in the midsection. So potentially that was a TKO. I don't mind because Jake Matthews still went on to win, uh, so it didn't like fuck up the fight, and I had my money on Jake Matthews by submission. So that it worked out well personally. It was a, a good start to the morning. Uh, but yeah, interesting. Jake, uh, Jake Flowers, that's not his name. Jake Matthews, after the fight, he said it best, I think. He said if the referee stops it for a low shot, like it's a low shot or it's stopped, you know? He was not arguing it. And I think it's fair. Like Darius Flowers, he definitely got rocked in the body. But, yeah, only he knows. Maybe he did get rocked in the dick or balls. And in that case, give him a moment. And Jake Matthews went on to win anyway, so no harm, no foul. And hopefully for Darius Flowers, he can get a full camp under his belt next time. Still excited to see what's to come from him. Uh, But the Aussie, Jake Matthews, back in the winner's column. Second round submission. And he was patient. Uh, That's what I liked the most, especially given uh, this card in Salt Lake City. Uh, The big talking point, altitude. That was what played in uh, to my picks a lot, heavily considering the altitude, which I didn't so much do uh, last time for my pay-per-view predictions, uh, Edwards Usman, that took place in Salt Lake City. So Jake Matthews by submission. After that, Roman Kopilov, Claudio Ribeiro, I had Kopilov by knockout. He got the second round knockout with a head kick, like an epic uh, knockout. But in the first round, Claudio Ribeiro uh, was rocking him. And Ribeiro, he's won. Uh, look, he was the underdog here. But despite being only one and two in the UFC so far, I still think Claudio Ribeiro could make something of himself. Uh, now, one thing that also played into my pick He loves to come out dancing. I thought he would here, and he did. And altitude came into my pick of going with Kopilov. Because I actually thought this fight was quite even. And we saw that in the first round. Ribeiro was all over him. But the basis of my pick yesterday uh, was essentially, if altitude comes into play, if fatigue sets in, who is more likely to still have that power to secure the knockout? They come into round two, 33 seconds in, Head kick knockout. Uh, it was, it was pretty crazy because, yeah, Ribeiro was all over him in the first round, and then thirty-three seconds into the second, you don't have a lot of time to really warm into the round. Like it just happened. There was no warning or anything or lead up. It just it happened. And when you consider the danger Kopilov was in in round one, to come out and finish it like that, unbelievable result from the Russian. I believe that's now three straight knockout victories. And middleweight division, I've said it on every podcast, it is the division that is looking to create stars. And we're seeing plenty of them emerge. Uh, So Roman Kopilov, maybe a fight like Marvin Vittori next or something. I think potentially he could be looking at top 15. Uh, But now middleweight, I reckon there's like a 20 to 25 guys uh, that are quite relevant because we're seeing UFC now when Izzy didn't have a ready-made matchup a couple of months ago. We had Arbus Magomedov taking on Strickland in a main event who was unranked. Uh, you've got guys like Aliskarov now 
who've come out of the woodwork. Michael Morales. Oh no, that's fucking welterweight, sorry. Uh, and of course, Drikas Duplessis, who has earned the right to challenge for the title now. Albert Kopilov, he's got to be somewhere in there. Maybe he won't leap to a Vittori matchup straight away, but he's, he's on the right track. He's going to where he needs to go, right? So Roman Kopilov, I reckon that's going to get him a 50k bonus. Takes him to 11-2. and two. Big win for the Russian. This guy, I think because he looks kind of unassuming, he's got the curly hair, and he doesn't like look per se as scary as some of these other guys. Like fucking Kaio Barallo walks around with glasses on, but he's got fucking free spirit tattooed on his neck. You know, some of those guys just make you take a little bit more notice. Uh, but the fact that Kopilov is a bit more unassuming could serve him very, very well. Uh, so I think this is this could be the beginning of a big run for Kopilov. We'll have to wait and see. After that, CJ Vergara over Vinicius Salvador. Changed my pick yesterday as well. Uh, I was going to go with Salvador based on the fact that Vergara had missed weight twice before. And then I watched the weigh-ins. And Salvador missed weight and CJ made weight. Uh, so I changed my pick. Usually I like to go for a stoppage in the flyweight division, uh, but I watched a lot of tape through the week. I was leaning more toward decision. CJ Vergara got the decision, so that was epic. I'm actually having a good day as far as putting money on these fucking things. Uh, but it's not so much about me. Main card, it's not going to be as much about the picks. Uh, thoughts and comments, like I'll give thoughts before the fight. That's where I'll give my pick. Comments after is going to be exclusively like the fight, what it means, more UFC. It's more so UFC. I don't want this to be me fucking tooting my own horn. Uh, but yeah, CJ Vergara kept the role going for me. That's mainly what I have to say about the fight. Nothing, nothing too like, I wouldn't say go back and watch that one. I'd say maybe go back and watch all the other ones, but I, I, you wouldn't need to go back and watch that. CJ Vergara by decision, Great win for him uh, to steady himself in the flyweight division. Whilst for Vinicius Salvador, he's 0-2 now in the UFC. He missed weight. I actually think if they're going to keep him around, one matchup I think wouldn't be a bad idea in front of a crowd, even though they're 0-2 in the UFC. Vinicius Salvador, Shannon Ross. They fought each other on Contender Series. Neither of them have had a win since. Shannon Ross actually lost in that fight as well. But it was a banger fight, and it was in front of no one. Now they're both 0-2. I mean, you look at how they fought when they had the chance to get into the UFC. Imagine how they'd fight when their job's on the line. I think that could be a fight in front of crowds. I think they might both just get cut, unfortunately, with the way the UFC works. But... Like, fuck it. It was such a good fight. You could start a card with it and just be like, go out there. Loser gets cut, most likely. Winner. I mean, if it's a similar fight to the Contender Series one, the winner, boom, that's a big win. You can put those two losses behind you. But yeah, CJ Vergara got the win, so he'll be the one who really gets to progress. Then, featured prelim, Gabriel Bonfim. I picked him by submission. Don't think that was the boldest call of all time. Now, in his debut, Gabriel Bonfim comes out in Brazil, his home nation, 
submits Munir Lazez within like a minute, under a minute, I believe. Comes out here against Trayvon Giles. 73 second submission win. This kind of like the Kopilov second round knockout. Uh, because I knew once it was featured prelim, I was going to kind of set the podcast up. I was just kind of unfolding my laptop and then boom, it just, it just happened. It happened before I had even time to really prepare into the fight. Gabriel Bonfim over Trayvon Giles, an experienced veteran. That takes Bonfim to 15 and 0. This guy looks like a top contender. Not sure exactly what's next for him. I mean, a fight against Jack Della Maddalena would be off its titties. Uh, maybe Michael Morales. There's a lot of ways you could go with Gabriel Bonfim. But man, like, the fight was so short, I can't say a lot about it. But Gabriel Bonfim, and it's hard to even say heaps about him because his UFC run has been so quick. But he's 15-0, and and he's what? I think he's like 25, 26 years old. So Gabriel Bonfim, somehow, if you didn't know who he was after the Brazil card, now, now he's just forcing people to know. And Trevon Giles, like, that wasn't set up like some other fights to just be Bonfim go out there and do that the way he did. That was more set up in a featured prelim spotlight to be like, all right, how, how are you going to go getting tested by someone like Trevon Giles who has power in the hands if it stays on the feet? Who knows? Like, there was potential for adversity. There was almost certain to be more adversity than he faced in his debut, and there wasn't. 73-second knockout for Gabriel Bonfim. Let's keep an eye on him. Obviously, his brother as well, uh, who's coming off a loss. But the word on Contender Series was that Gabriel is, out of the two, he is the guy. Uh, So big win on a huge pay-per-view spotlight. And one thing I mentioned on the Predictions podcast yesterday uh, was that this is a really between card from the great cards at the start of the year. Huge cards coming up at the back end of this year, start of next year. Uh, So for the winners I mentioned yesterday, they really propel themselves forward with the chance to take a bigger matchup before the end of the year. And then they are really humming for 2024. So Gabriel Bonfim, uh, uh, he's definitely, given how fast he's turned around and how fast he's been winning, he'll definitely get one more in should he stay injury-free before the end of the year. So Gabriel Bonfim, that's going to get 50k, I'd say. And now, I think it's about time to launch into the main card. Uh, So I'm going to suss it out. Now I'm going to go fight by fight. I could give a preview of what's to come on the main card, but we're just going to get into it. We're going to go uh, straight from the opener, which is Michael Chiesa, Kevin Holland. Biggest stylistic question mark on this. We've seen Holland at middleweight really struggle with the wrestling element. That seemingly his kryptonite. Look, he's a BJJ black belt, but totally outclassed by Marvin Vittori and Derek Brunson in the past. Michael Chiesa... His biggest strength, his wrestling. So this is going to be a very interesting one stylistically, but this isn't at middleweight. Kevin Holland has dropped to welterweight uh, over the last year or two years. Uh, And look, he's on a bit of a roll. Other than the comes out fight, 
He's been producing the goods, went toe-to-toe with Stephen Thompson, coming off a knockout win over Santiago Ponzinibbio. And we've had six fights. I have had five exactly correct. But now, who knows? I could get them all wrong from here. So opening the main card, I'm gonna just going to get straight into the fight. I have gone with Kevin Holland by knockout. So those were the thoughts. And uh, now how the comments work. I'm going to hit the music. I'm going to actually sit down and watch the fight. And then I'm coming back with my thoughts and comments. And just like that, it's over. Not even three minutes into the round. Kevin Holland with the Dust Choke submission. A quick note on my predictions front. And then I'm going to go fully to the just into the fight. Uh, but one thing when I was watching tape, I was actually thinking about going submission. So I was like, drats. But I went with knockout. Kevin Holland mentioned in an interview at one point, knockout more likely. Uh, but there you go. Kevin Holland submits Michael Chiesa. Not just that, but he answers the questions as far as the wrestling. Well, at least at 170, says after the win, if he's not fighting for the BMF belt, he wants to go back up to 185. I think 170 is where he's at his best, but I think with Kevin Holland, I reckon he's looking at the top of the division, like the Colby Covingtons and things, and I, I feel like he's just deciding or choose thinking that he's not going to go on to become champion. And look, there are openings at 185. Like I've said, we're looking for contenders. Uh, so Holland in a title fight there could make sense, but... He's just answered all these questions as far as wrestling. He submits Michael Chiesa. Chiesa taking a glove off as well. Uh, so not sure. Didn't see whether they interviewed him. Uh, because up next, there's Ferguson, Tony Ferguson. After that, Derek Lewis. Not sure if either of them are going to take the gloves off. Didn't expect Michael Chiesa to. Uh, but it does make sense. He's got a great future uh, in the analyst, analyst role. And yeah, like... There's not much point fighting and putting your body at risk if you're not really in the title frame. So Kiesa was ranked 12th. Kevin Holland will move to 12th. Does he want to... Why, why would you go back up to 85? I guess just the weight cut. Which, fair enough. Like, maybe he just doesn't want to go through all of that and then he can fight more. So we'll wait and see what Kevin Holland decides to do. But he is talking about going up to middleweight. Looks like Kiesa might retire. Uh, and what I was going to say is in the next two fights, we may see Legends retire, which I think we've just seen in Michael Chiesa. Um, so, look, I wanted to get a coffee, and there, there are these delicious croissants up the road from mine, which I shan't dwell on right now. Uh, but I'm just looking at, like, what is the optimum time for me to go and have a coffee? Because I don't want to miss any of the Tony Ferguson fight. I don't want to miss any of the Derek Lewis fight. Like, most likely by the time I get back, regardless of who wins, uh, that one could be finished. And I don't want to miss... I definitely don't want to miss Pereira <laughs> up against Jan Blahovic, that's for sure. And I ain't missing the BMF belt. So at some stage, I'm going to duck for a coffee. So I may miss like a round of a fight. I'm going to try and time it. I'm going to go and think about it now. Uh, and we've got Tony Ferguson, Bobby Green up next. 
Tony Ferguson, is it five straight losses, I believe? He lost to Gaethje, uh, Charles Oliveira, Michael Chandler, Benil Dariush. Then I always forget who he lost to. Oh, Nate Diaz, most recently. And that was not a great fight. Two legends and icons of the sport. And that was thrown together uh, at short notice. But Tony Ferguson even said in that camp he wasn't preparing. Nate Diaz was leaning against the cage, just taking breaths throughout the fight. Not what you want. Like, if you pay for a main event, if you're paying for the card, you want to see something a bit more, regardless of the legends. But they've earned the right to, like, one of those. But now we got Tony Ferguson, who talks about being more focused than ever. He doesn't believe he's done. It seems like everyone else believes he's done. I'm not quite sure. I just think for the betterment of his physical health and long-term well-being, that maybe he doesn't need to fight. But Tony Ferguson's here and he's looking to fight. Uh, this is going to be an epic one. Bobby King Green has been around for a hot minute. Uh, this could be the win he needs. He's not like a young star who'll be able to surge into the rankings on the back of this. Uh, but that's what makes this a fun fight. It's fair for Tony Ferguson. It's a great fight for Bobby Green. Uh, I've gone with Bobby Green by decision here. I can see knockout being the case as well. Like it, I said in the predictions podcast, depends what Tony shows up. I think we could see a Bobby Green knockout. Uh, but I've gone with decision. I am going to say Tony shows up. Tony shows up and he might even win. I'm hoping. And yeah, like I said, could this be the last fight we're about to see in the career of Tony Ferguson? Could it be the same for Derek Lewis? Well, he's rocked up to fight week with a fucking six pack, so maybe not. Uh, but for Tony Ferguson, Derek Lewis, I'm going to try and get a coffee somewhere in here. Uh, but I'm going to sit down now and I'm going to take it all in. Bobby Green up against Tony Ferguson. Then I'm going to sit down, watch the post fight, of course. We're going to see what happens there. And then I'll be back in a moment with my thoughts, comments, and maybe even a coffee. Quick update. I've just had a uh, had an idea. I'm going to watch this fight, Tony Ferguson, Bobby Green. I'm going to run up and get a coffee instead of recording an immediate reaction. I'm going to come back with said coffee and croissant and or other pastry goods. Uh, and then I'm going to get back in time before the Derek Lewis fight starts. So now what I'm going to do, and I've taken Derek Lewis. I'm going the underdog. Derek Lewis by knockout. Uh, but yeah, I'm, what I'm going to do now is watch both of those fights. So when I come back, not just the Tony Ferguson fight, thoughts and comments, also the Derek Lewis one. And I'll be hyped up on coffee. And we'll launch in from there uh, to the two main events. So yeah, coffee time. I'll be back in a moment with my thoughts and comments. Bobby Green, Tony Ferguson. Is this the last time we see Tony? Could it be the last time we see Bobby? Next up, Marcos Rogerio de Lima sitting right outside the heavyweight rankings in a hot patch of form up against Derek Lewis, who was on a slide as of late. A discrepancy in levels of competition, though. I'm going Derek Lewis. I think he has one more knockout in him. He's got the six pack. And I'm just, I'm a huge Derek Lewis fan. I'm a huge Tony fan as well. But I try to be, you know, I take my bias out of selections. But sometimes in a close one like Rogerio de Lima and Derek Lewis, 
I'm just, I go with my heart. Derek Lewis, I hope he has one more knockout in him. Will we see some retirements? I'm banking we see at least one. I'm gonna get this coffee. I'm gonna watch the fights. Be back in a moment with my thoughts and comments. All right, so I've got everything I need, uh, but we're about 90 seconds away from the co-main event. Jan Blahovic, Alex Pereira, and I don't want to miss a second. I've taken Pereira by knockout, uh, but what we saw, Bobby Green submits Tony Ferguson at the very end of their fight. I, I will talk more about that. No retirement from Tony yet, as far as I'm aware. And then Derek Lewis. I went up to the shops, I played it on my phone, and I'm like in the shops and I just immediately hear like, oh, flying knee straight off the bat. Hilarious, hilarious stuff from Derek Lewis. So I'm going to talk about uh, the two fights that came before as well. But first, given that it's about to start, we are live here. I'm going to jump in to the UFC 291 co-main event. Winner fights for the light heavyweight belt next. Alex Pereira, Jan Blahovic. Let's get amongst it. Okay, apologies for that. Uh, yeah, I had to get that coffee. So now we're about to start the main event, but I'm going to go through the three fights uh, that followed the Kevin Holland fight. So we had Bobby Green up against Tony Ferguson. And interestingly, Tony was all over Bobby early on. King Green ends up accidentally poking Tony in the eye. Who even knows? He was doing a lot of like putting his hands over Tony's mouth so he couldn't breathe in the grappling exchanges. So maybe the icon uh, eye poke on purpose even, who knows. But there was an eye poke. After that, Tony Ferguson didn't really get himself back into the fight. Bobby Green looked like he was going to work his way to a decision. And in the final seven seconds, secures the submission. Uh, now, Tony didn't tap. He just held in there until he went out. Uh, but massive win for Bobby Green. I think he's like 38 or something, so... It's not like this, you know, he's got another 10 years in the sport to really benefit from this win. Uh, for Tony Ferguson, I didn't, I don't think they talked to him. I think they cut out straight after that. So I think Tony's going to fight again. Not too sure. We'll have to wait and see. Uh, I'm sure Dana White will address that in the post-event press conference. But Bobby Green getting the submission over Tony Ferguson. Uh, then after that, Derek Lewis comes out with a flying knee. He puts Marcos Ruggiero away very early in the first round. Uh, but the highlight, other than the finish, was Derek Lewis after the fight. Chucks his cup into the audience, takes his shorts off. Oh, the post-fight interview. I was still up getting the coffee and I'm literally looking like a dickhead, like laughing at nothing. Well, I was actually laughing at uh, Derek Lewis, like, oh, so good. He said his contract is up as well. Uh, he wants to stay with the UFC and the crowd was going nuts. So I think that makes the most sense. Keep Derek Lewis on. Most knockouts in UFC history, any division. And now for Derek Lewis, all that talk about the fight slide, you know, was he done? Not just yet. He had another knockout left in him. And I do wonder, who does Derek Lewis face next? 
usually a pretty active fighter, uh, and given how quickly he got the finish here, I reckon we'll see him uh, before the year is out. So I wonder what way they'll go with it. Maybe someone like Jailton Almeida. Who knows? We're going to have to wait and see. Uh, but Derek Lewis, that was one of the highlights of the night for me so far. Epic finish. So entertaining on the mic. And the crowd was going off their dicks and tits. Like they were just losing it. So makes you wonder. I know he was coming in on a losing streak, but... Yeah, I think if he's on a pay-per-view next time, back to the main card for Derek Lewis. Thank you very much. Did not hang the gloves up. He was fucking got the first round finish. So, oh, perfect. And with that, you know, I only have had one fight wrong so far. Matthew Semmelsberger. Thanks, mate. Um, but then we went on to the co-main event. Jan Blachowicz, Alex Pereira. Jan immediately shoots for the takedown, straight away. Uh, and the first round was predominantly grappling. Jan was on the top, uh, he was looking for submissions, Pereira defending, uh, but couldn't really get up. So really close first round. Uh, the second round was interesting. Pereira started to take advantage on the feet. Uh, Blahovic, not always known for his grappling and his wrestling, more so for his power and his striking. So to be exerting so much energy in the grappling uh, throughout that first round at altitude, mind you, uh, we saw Jan come into that second round a bit more tired. And with that, Pereira, he opened the fight up on the feet. Although in the second round, Jan did land a takedown. Uh, so I thought round two was pretty close. Then in round three, uh, they were mainly striking. Pereira definitely uh, was the better of the two on the feet. Jan was tired by that stage, uh, but then toward the end, Jan took Pereira down again and finished on top. So that was a very close fight. It was a split decision. Judges ended up going the way of Alex Pereira. The crowd were booing as well. Uh, they didn't like it, but I assume that from their angle, they were mainly seeing Jan uh, control the fight with grappling. But that's one, like I wasn't really fully judging that fight because I was mainly... You know, with a fight like that, you, you're not thinking about the judges' scorecards. You're thinking probably about a knockout. So that's where my head was at. Uh, but I would be curious to go back and watch that second round. Because I paid very close attention to the first, thought Jan won, thought Alex Pereira won the third. But I wasn't, like I said, looking from like a judging perspective in round two. But from the whole fight, I don't really have any issue with Pereira being declared the winner. Jan slowed down in that second round, and Pereira did his thing. And we know the UFC. If you leave it to the judges, you're always going to be a risk uh, of being disappointed. So Alex Pereira gets the win. On the back of that, he's confirmed. He's fighting for the title next. Jamal Hill injured. Uh, but the other former champion that had to relinquish the belt, Yuri Prohaska. He cannot be too far away. So to think about Yuri up against... Pereira, that is a mouth-watering matchup. A massive win for Pereira. As usual, there'll be people in the comment sections saying, Jan robbed and this and that. But that's the comment sections. Like, don't take it too seriously. I feel like there are a lot of people who don't understand the difference between a close competitive fight and a flat-out robbery. Uh, but Pereira gets the win. 
He's challenging for the belt next. And that's that's all there is to it. Fantastic win for him. For Jan Blahovic, really disappointing. You could see he thought he'd done enough to win. And then, yeah, seeing the facial expression when the judges' scorecards were read, it was just a man, especially coming off that draw in his last performance for the title. It was just a man who was confronted with a pretty harsh reality uh, that the title run may be over. And not through a bad performance either. So I really felt for Blahovic there, uh, but I don't think it was a robbery. I think it was the right call, or at the very least, I'm happy with the call. To be honest, going toward the scorecards, I felt like maybe Jan had done enough. So I'd, I'd have to go back and watch that second round. But in the history books, Jan Blahovic unfortunately cops the L. Alex Pereira, the new number one contender in the light heavyweight division. And with that, we now set ourselves for the main event of the evening. BMF title on the line, lightweight division title eliminator, battle of the Austins. Team elevations, Justin Gaethje under Trevor Whitman. And on the other side, Dustin the Diamond Poirier, American top team product. Uh, I've talked on the preview podcast. I've talked today uh, about their roads to get to this point. And now the time for talking is over. We're about to kick straight into this main event. My pick was Dustin Poirier to get it done by knockout. But it's time for the best part, to sit down, watch the main event. And when I come back, we will know who the second ever baddest motherfucker champion is. I saw as well quickly, Taito Avasa cracked me up uh, in like a promotional thing I saw. Uh, they were talking to him about the BMF and he said, can we get a KFC belt? And I was like, fucking oath, fucking oath. I would, I would actually be more keen about a KFC belt than the BMF. Uh, but this is gonna be a hell of a fight. Let's get amongst it. I'll be back in a moment with my thoughts and comments. Craziness. Fucking craziness. Justin Gaethje, first minute of the second round. Head kick, knockout. Headshot bang. They showed it side by side. Pretty much exactly the same kick just earlier in the fight that Leon Edwards landed on Kamaru Usman last year in the same venue. Gaethje does it, so if you want to know how Gaethje finished it, exactly like Leon Edwards did. Unbelievable. For that to happen in the same place, wildness, Gaethje wins the BMF belt. I noticed, I don't know whether you don't wrap it around their waist, because it's not a uni- uh, undisputed title, but Jorge or George Masvidal just put it over Gaethje's shoulder, didn't wrap it around his waist. Of course, Poirier, a teammate of Masvidal's, but I don't think Gaethje would give a shit. He was very respectful to Dustin in the post-fight. He now has the BMF title, uh, but he stated what I think we already knew. He's going for that lightweight title. He's going to roll the dice, go for it one more time against the winner of Charles Oliveira and Islam Markashev. Now that one takes place in October, so Gaethje probably starter next year. He challenges for the belt. In the meantime, we get Alex Volkanovsky 
against Ilya Tapuria. If Volkanovski wins, then he might be the one next in line after Gaethje. But we've got Islam Charles to look forward to. UFC 291 belongs to Justin Gaethje, who gets that win back over Dustin Poirier. I thought that one was going to go a bit longer. And given that the first BMF title fight we saw, pretty lackluster to be fair, this delivered. That was a BMF moment, a bad motherfucking moment. Kicked him in the head, knocked him out. Justin Gaethje, ladies and gentlemen. And this fight, it was between two guys at the top of their game, peak of their careers. Both had failed twice in title fights against the same opponents. Both had had the same amount of wins and losses since last matching up with each other. Uh, So the paths led to this. One of them was going to emerge and Justin Gaethje not just getting the win, uh, but the way that he got the win. Emphatic finish, lives up to the BMF legacy. And speaking of legacy, well, he now has a title to add to his legacy, but not the one that he's mainly after, that lightweight championship. So we now have two more number one contenders. Now, in welterweight, which is he didn't compete tonight, Bilal Muhammad, uh, he's waiting in the wings for a title shot. Middleweight, you've got Drikus Duplessis. But tonight we saw light heavyweight, Alex Pereira is next up, and very clearly at 155 pounds, Justin the Highlight Gaethje is next up. As for Dustin Poirier, tough loss to have to take, but this is a guy who knows exactly what mixed martial arts is about. This isn't going to come as a shock to him, and he has enough experience to be able to dust himself off. He does so many amazing things outside of the octagon, uh, that fighting doesn't define Dustin Poirier. So I, I wonder how does he come back? Because he's still close enough where he can fight uh, toward a title fight. And imagine if Justin Gaethje goes on to win the lightweight strap and they can settle their differences in a title fight. Uh, so Poirier by no means done yet. Uh, but as for what's next for him, he's been pretty selective uh, of who he's wanted to fight. Didn't take a Benil Dariush fight, purely just said, it just doesn't get me interested. So he takes a fight like this Justin Gaethje one, uh, but now he gets finished. I just wonder, who who do they match him up against next? We'll have to wait and see, Uh, but it belonged to Justin Gaethje. Huge win. Uh, He had a great first round as well. Trevor Whitman in his corner, very happy with that first five minutes, Uh, but it was the minute that followed to open the second round, where Gaethje did all the damage, and just so eerie how he did the same kick Leon Edwards performed on Gaethje's teammate, Kamaru Usman. I believe Justin may have been in the building that night. I think he might have had a fight on that card as well. So there you go, Justin Gaethje. He is the second BMF champion in history. Uh, the first in history, George Masvidal, Didn't seem too pleased to be handing that belt over. But now we've got some huge talking points. Uh, I'm interested to see what comes out of this. And I mentioned on the podcast, this is sort of an in-between card where we get some fights. But now coming toward the second half of this year, which we're already right in the midst of, we now have a light heavyweight championship contender. We have a lightweight contender. 
We have a BMF champion. Things are slowly starting to move. The wheels are turning. Derek Lewis, he's back in the winner's column. Tony Ferguson, where does he go from here? Is Kevin Holland going to be a middleweight or a welterweight? There are a lot of talking points coming out of this card. Uh, so it's been fun going through, talking about each fight. Uh, and to finish off, I will go through my performance highlights. Uh, they'll also be over on the Instagram at not just a sports report. And I didn't pick a fight of the night. There was none that like fully stood out, uh, albeit there were some great fights in there. Now, performances of the night, I've gone with Justin Gaethje, had to, uh, with that head kick knockout, main event, BMF title on the line, up against Dustin Poirier, who was on the run of a lifetime, uh, second ranked lightweight contender. So Justin Gaethje, performance of the night, knockout. I went with Derek Lewis on the main card, performance of the night, knockout. I came out with that flying knee early, the crowd loved it, and he really warmed Utah up for the main events. Came out, got everyone cheering, got everyone up off their seat, got the party started essentially. So Derek Lewis, he's got a performance of the night finish. And I went with Gabriel Bonfim, 15-0 and 0 now in the welterweight division, comes out 73 seconds, submits Trevon Giles, and whilst it wasn't on the main card, I do not think it's going to be too long. Uh, before we start seeing a fair bit of Gabriel Bonfim in some really high-profile scenarios. And speaking of Gabriel Bonfim, uh, I also nominated him as my top prospect from this card. Roman Kopolov was pretty close, I must say, uh, but my top prospect from UFC 291, who really starts to make a name for himself and push towards superstar status, uh, that is also Gabriel Bonfim. My talking point uh, was the number one contenders coming out of tonight, which I've spoke a bit about, Gaethje and Pereira. Moment of the night. Headshot bang 2.0. Unbelievably. It's happened again. The circumstances of the main event, the hype going in, we knew there was going to be chaos, uh, but Gaethje made it look easy. And he knocked... Dustin Poirier out. Been a while since anyone has done that. So moment of the night, although I'm a huge Dustin Poirier fan, had to be headshot bang 2.0. And to finish off today's pod, next up, this is where I kind of have a look. Uh, it's what's next for some of these fighters. Uh, so I've written down four potential fights. Uh, 155 title fight. I've spoken about that already. It looks like it's a lock. Winner of Charles Islam uh, fights Gaethje. 205 title fight. Pereira fights probably Yuri Prohaska. What will get interesting uh, is if Yuri is not ready. I don't think they'd put Jan in. Maybe. Uncle I have Johnny Walker. Alex Pereira would actually be a hell of a fight. Uh, but I think Yuri will be good to go. At some point. So Alex Pereira, Yuri Prohaska. I believe that's next up. Derek Lewis, Jailton Almeida. This one, I reckon they might go with it. I would definitely tune in. The one thing here is that I love both fighters. So I wouldn't want to see either of them lose. But Derek Lewis, big thick neck. Hard man to submit. 
Jarlton, he's shown that he can get everyone down to the ground. Uh, Jarzinho Rosenstrike, the way he comprehensively rolled through Jarzinho, has Jarlton in a good spot. Now you look at Derek Lewis coming off that massive win. For Jarlton Almeida, most of the guys around that top five area are busy. Tom Aspinall's going to head to Paris looking to fight the winner of Cyril Garn and uh, Sp- Sergei Spivak. Fuck, my throat is dying. One second. For goodness sake, sorry. Had to pause there. Just struggle town. Struggle town. Sorry for doing that to you. Uh, but yeah, Derek Lewis, Jalton Almeida. I want to see that. I think it makes logical sense, rankings-wise. Put it on a main card of a pay-per-view. That's, that's a main card, bang it. Do not, under any circumstances, put that shit in the apex. Thank you. And last fight I wrote down, Gabriel Bonfim, Michael Morales. That's one I'd love to see as well. Uh, but as far as today, that is the card wrapped up. Thoughts and comments done and dusted. Uh, nicely done under an hour. Pretty happy with that. Pretty happy with my results overall from the card. I think there was something like 11 fights. Got nine of them. So I didn't get the main event. I picked Poirier and I didn't get Semmelsberger. Uh, but other than that, really strong card. And a lot of correct methods of victory which is pleasing. Uh, so to plug my next preview podcast, uh, next weekend, Namagomedov is out of the Umar variety. It's going to be Rob Font stepping in on short notice uh, to take on bantamweight contender Corey Sandhagen. I'm pretty sure that one's in front of a crowd as well. So I'm going to be going through. We're going to try and keep these picks rolling. Today a very successful day. Uh, hoping for even better. Next weekend... Uh, and then on a personal podcast note, I've just come across a house which I might look to move into, which all I can really say at this stage, it would totally maximize uh, the podcast setup and we would be able to do a, a lot more fun things like UFC live streams and all sorts of content. So I'm hoping I can get into that, this house I'm checking out because it's, it's epic and yeah. There you go. So personal note, but on a podcast note, UFC 291 in the books. Justin Gaethje, they do not call him the highlight for no reason. And now we look forward. We got UFC 292 around the corner. Uh, But the one I'm really excited for, UFC Sydney. UFC 293 in September from Sydney, Australia. A stack of Kiwi and Aussie fighters. So I'll be very, very invested in that. But we got a few cards to go in between now and then. I'll be doing predictions podcasts every week. Uh, and basically just around work, I'll do thoughts and comments podcasts. So if I have to work, uh, which I think I might next Sunday, if I work at the same time as a fight night, I won't do this thoughts and comments podcast. I will do it regardless for pay-per-views. Uh, and then when I have Sundays off, like today... I'll do a full Thoughts and Comments podcast. So that's what's coming up next, the predictions pod for Sandhagen up against Font. But that is it for today. Thank you for listening, and have a bloody great week ahead.